I'd like to have a special moment with all the children. Those of you who are here in the sanctuary, you can come and join me. You have to go a long way around today because it's Communion Sunday. And if you're worshiping from home, just come a little closer to your screens. Good to see you this morning. What a great group. Come on down. Welcome, welcome. Oh my goodness, we may break a new record today with such a big crowd. This is wonderful. Aren't we happy to see all of these children this morning? Thank you for being here. Yay. Okay, well, as we gather, as you come on up, you'll see that kind of right in our midst is this white thing, this marble thing that we call a font. Does anybody know what we do over here? Do you remember what happens here at the font? Yeah. You can put water in there. Yeah. And what were you going to say? We baptize people here. That's right. And I know many of you were baptized right here. Yeah, it is March. That's right. And today we are going to talk a little bit about baptism. And what happens in a baptism is that a lot of times it's a baby who's being baptized and the baby's parents make some promises and they profess their faith, we call it. We, they say, yes, we believe in Jesus, and we're going to keep following Jesus, and we're going to teach our child everything we know about following Jesus. And then all of these people in the congregation also make a promise. And we promise that we're going to love you and help you learn about God's love. And so that's what we do every Sunday. All of us come together, and we learn about God's love. And it all starts with baptism. So I'm grateful for this church family that can help me follow Jesus better, for all of you who help me follow Jesus better, and for the promises we make to help each other do that. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we thank you that we have so many children in our congregation and we get to celebrate baptism so often because they remind us of your love for us and for all people. Keep us mindful of the promises we make in baptism to be your people and to do everything we can to love you and to love our neighbors in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you all so much for listening. If you are three, four, or five, you can go with Pastor Maggie and Pastor Aaron to Children's Church. And if you're younger than that or older than that, you can return to your parents. It's true that one of the things that has brought me so much joy over the past year is the number of baptisms we've been able to celebrate as a congregation. Even in the year of 2021, 
when I was just talking with someone, this time last year we were still having to RSVP for worship. Remember, we were having to limit numbers and watch all of that. And even with the bumpy road and the year that we had in 2021, we celebrated 38 baptisms as a congregation. And many of those were infants, families who were bringing their children into the life of the church. And so we had 38 different opportunities to make our promises to those families, that we would surround them with a community of love and forgiveness. And so it's been such a joy to stand in this place so many times and to see a young family here holding a beautiful, innocent, sweet child and to have the privilege of asking them the ancient questions of the faith. But that first question is always a little jarring, don't you think? The first question I ask is, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? Wait, I'm holding a baby, and this is sweet, and they're wearing a dress, and isn't this a happy, joyful moment? Why are we talking about the spiritual forces of wickedness and the evil powers of this world that make me think of, you know, Darth Vader rubbing his hands together or what is this question all about? But the truth is, it really is an ancient question of the faith. From the very earliest days of the church, a person who was coming forth for baptism had to say first and foremost what they were renouncing, what they were turning away from in order to follow Christ. In this season of Lent, we, we hear the word repent often. And literally that word means to turn. So repenting of your sin, turning away from certain things in our lives, letting go of certain things in order to embrace life as a disciple of Jesus. And so that question comes before us every time we celebrate a baptism. And it comes before us in this first week of Lent. What are the spiritual forces of wickedness, the evil powers of this world? What is our sin that we need to turn from, that we need to renounce and reject in order to follow Christ as we are called to follow Christ? Well, as it turns out, every year, the first Sunday of Lent, the gospel lectionary is this story of Jesus in the wilderness. This year, we get to hear it from Luke's perspective. Before Jesus begins his public ministry, before he preaches his first sermon or, or conducts his first miracle, he is baptized, he's covered in the waters of the Jordan, and he hears the voice of God saying to him, you are my beloved, and then he goes right into the wilderness for 40 days to be tested, to be tempted, now, the way Luke tells the story, he personifies evil in the person of the devil who brings before Jesus three different temptations, trying to get Jesus to turn away from the path that he's on, to be a different kind of Messiah than the one Jesus is going to end up being. And so I want to take a look at these temptations really briefly to help us explore maybe some of the ways that we are tempted and some of the things that we might need to reject and renounce and turn away from in our own lives. The first temptation is 
to turn a piece of, to turn a stone into a piece of bread. Jesus has been fasting for 40 days. He's obviously starving, weak, tired. And I can imagine how tempting it would be to know that he had the power to turn a stone into a piece of bread and just to fill his own belly. Nobody's watching. Who's going to know? What's wrong with feeding yourself if you can? But Jesus hears exactly what the temptation is. You see, fasting was a practice that would allow a person to draw closer to God. Every time the stomach growls to recognize that I need God more than I need food. My soul needs a relationship with God more than my stomach needs to be filled with bread. And if Jesus were to feed himself, just to turn a stone into bread and eat, he would be renouncing his trust in God. He would be trusting in himself putting himself first rather than trusting in God. And so his very trust in God is at stake. And so he responds to the devil with with scripture. Do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. The second temptation is for worldly power, political power, power over others, If you will just bow down and worship me, the devil says, I will give you all the kingdoms of the earth and you can be in charge. You can use your power to direct people and coerce people and make them do what you want them to do. But Jesus rejects that and chooses instead to worship God and God alone, which does not guarantee any sort of earthly power. In fact, we find it ends up with death on a cross. The third temptation is for Jesus to stand at the top of the temple and throw himself down to make sure that God really is with him. Because if you are the son of God, God will send his angels to catch you. Prove that you're the son of God. Make a big spectacle out of it so everyone will know. Make it a show, Jesus. And once again, Jesus renounces and rejects that temptation because that is not the Messiah he is called to be. He will be on the margins with the weak and the vulnerable. Oh, he'll go to the temple, but not to put on a show. Not to impress the religious leaders, but rather to hold them accountable and remind them what the temple is all about. We'll hear that story next week. So we see Jesus having spent much time in prayer, having immersed himself in the scriptures and the word of God, having what he needs to resist these temptations. And so the question is for us on this first Sunday of Lent, what are those spiritual battles we're engaged in? What are the spiritual forces of wickedness trying to fill those spaces within us that only God can fill? What are the evil powers of this world that we need to reject? And what is our sin that we need to turn from? Well, one answer is really clear this morning. As I've thought about these questions, spiritual forces of wickedness, evil powers, all I had to do was read the headlines. It is really easy to see this week evil power at work in our world. As we have watched... Putin send in troops to conquer Ukraine 
and the things that are happening to the citizens of that country, the devastation and the untrustworthiness even in negotiations, it is evil what is happening there. And so I want to be able to stand up and say, I reject the evil power that is at work right now in that situation. And that is true and needs to be said. But at the same time, that's no excuse for me not to turn my eyes upon myself. It's sometimes easy to externalize evil and say it's over there, it's in that person, it's in that situation, it's in that group of people. But Lent invites us into self-examination. Where am I tempted by the spiritual forces of wickedness? Where am I tempted to turn away from God? And as I ponder that question for myself, I'll share with you one of many revelations that I had in my own life. We see Jesus tempted to turn a stone into bread to take care of his own needs instead of trusting in God. And I see myself doing that over and over and over again. Over these past two years, as we have navigated this pandemic and pivoted again and again, I find myself trusting in my own smarts, my own ability, my own capacity, trying to do it myself, trying to tell myself, oh, I know how to do this. We got this. And then a couple of weeks ago, I had someone ask me, so where is God in this for you? And something just broke open for me. And I realized that I had been relying on my own power to navigate these days. And I have not been turning repeatedly to God with my own emptiness. And then I remembered something that Henry Nouwen wrote about, that all of us need to begin with our own emptiness and our own inadequacy. That's our starting point with God. To recognize again and again, we can't do this without God. Without Christ in our lives, we are nothing. And so, one of my Lenten practices is to try and recognize within myself when I'm thinking, I got this, God, you're busy, I know you got other things going on, we'll take care of this. Or when I give up the opportunity to pray in order to go work on my to-do list, it's a simple thing, but it makes all the difference. Where do you see yourself in these temptations in the wilderness? Do you feel tempted to trust yourself more than you trust God? Do you feel tempted to trust in worldly power more than in God? See, the thing about these temptations is that they're subtle and so many of them look like good things when in reality they are things that pull us away from God. So this is an invitation into self-examination, an invitation to repent, to turn away from those things that are not of God, that keep us from trusting in God and trusting in God's love, so that we can turn and open ourselves to a life with God. That's the heart of it, really. It's not just that we're renouncing and rejecting and repenting. We do all of that so that we will be open and ready to step into the life 
that God has for us, a life of abundance and grace and joy and hope and peace beyond measure.